welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers and sometimes a special guest have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative fantasy and historical fiction writer. Um, right now, I am working on, uh, I am, uh, after our last podcast that we did, I started writing my book um, from back to front instead, and it went well today. I got 3,000 words in on my for, uh, second draft of my historical fiction, so pretty excited about that and pretty pumped to keep going. I am currently reading Once There Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey, and I'm loving it. Didn't get to read today, and I'm bitter about that, but that's okay. I will read a different time. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Amy Avery. I write adult fantasy. I also self-publish under the pen name Avery Ames. Uh, what I'm working on is, um, fittingly, I'm kind of in the calm before the storm of planning all the marketing things for my release in January. We've kind of set up plans and now we're just kind of waiting to implement them. What I am reading is I'm reading a bunch of advanced reader copies of people coming out next year. So they're top secret right now. <laughs> top secret. Yes. Wow. So today we're going to be chatting with Chase Neely about how to market your books. Um, Chase, could you tell us a little bit about you and your book? Yeah, I'd love to. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be on and is writing. It's good to be with you guys. Um, and it's great to have you. Well, I, I just so appreciate it. I know that it's a special thing to when you build an audience to share it. And I appreciate y'all sharing it with me today. I am in Nashville, Tennessee. I am a lawyer by trade, believe it or not, in the entertainment <laughs> world. Uh, but I also picked up some book marketing tips early on. I was one of those uh, millennials who got pegged into the social media hole, if you, <laughs> if you know anybody like that. Yes. Uh, and I just, I kept going with it. And, and now I help authors and speakers reach their full potential online by reaching as many people as possible. Uh, and it led me to write this book behind me, Every Step Counts, where we go through the whole path of traditionally publishing a book and what a book marketing plan looks like there and what publishers mean when they say you need a platform. <laughs> uh, so we talk a lot about platform building and it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing this for about 11 years alongside of my business oh, wow. partner, David Loy. Um, so we've seen some changes uh, along the way, but <laughs> oh, bad. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And I am, um, not at all embarrassed, but I'm reading, I'm doing a deep dive right now on Sarah Mass. Have you, have you all read any of her book? Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yes, we know all about Sarah Mass. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So we're reading, uh, my wife and I are reading those together. Nice. That's cool. fun. That's, that's right up our alley. <laughs> How far are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have started two series, the Glass Castle one and the Court of Thorns and Roses. I'm mm -hmm. further in the Court of Thorns and Roses series. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the orange book. I don't remember what it's called, That's <laughs> but the orange one, it's now in Cassian and uh, Nesta's point of view. Oh, you've so. made it further than I have. <laughs> nice. So far anyway. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, Nobody no spoilers. say anything. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to start with a couple icebreakers and then we'll get into like the meat of everything. So right. do you have any hobbies outside of writing? Uh, I do love to read. So that's, I guess, one of the hobbies that I would say that I have outside of writing, but I also <laughs> have two little boys. Uh, who are six and three. So lots of tackling, wrestling, uh, throwing balls at things, and just generally trying not to break the house. Uh, I think that's that's the big thing we try to do. That's a good plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not very successful, by the way. We we break a lot of stuff, but we're doing our best. Everything's going to be fine in the end. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's par for the course. 
as long as we don't break each other, right? That's the big thing. Yeah. Just, try. Yes. Must try not to break each other. But if you do, you know what? That's what doctors are for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just thinking, when's the first time that I'm going to walk in and somebody's going to be laying on the floor with a broken arm or something? I'm be like, okay, we made it. That this is what you signed up for. It's time. You really, you're really in the 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 throes of parenting now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There you go. It's so fun. Okay, so another icebreaker question. Do you drink coffee, tea, or neither one? How about both? <laughs> I go through seasons. So I usually drink coffee, and then sometimes I switch to tea. And being in the South, we have all sorts of teas that we like to drink. One is sweet tea, of course. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. Right? Um, I also like mint tea. So like, mm-hmm. um, I spent some time in Northern Africa not a long time, but just like on vacation. And they do a mint tea with sugar in it, which I was a big fan mm. of. It's a hot tea. I love mint tea. It is so mm-hmm. good. I don't know. There's just something about it, especially in winter. It's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something great about it. I love it. And yeah, I'm with it's, you there. It's good. <laughs> and then any hot tea. I'm down with that too. So you do energy drinks in the South? <laughs> it's called sweet tea Uh, you take the sugar and you just pump it in the veins right that's what you do right yeah 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 Yeah. great excellent excellent i'm originally from the south and yeah it's like barely a step above hummingbird food that's right Mm -hmm. yeah if you can chew it you know it's good sweet tea you just really want to get the grit in there (laughs) <laughs> so before we start the interview i'm i'm curious you, you you're you're totally cool like like answering some questions that might be in your book like you're 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 awesome so we can dig in a little bit and you won't be like weird about it <laughs> no 100 awesome sweet so one of our core values as a company is to share our expertise listen we know it's difficult and it's not approachable for a lot of people in the marketing of the book and the platform building we want to make it as accessible as possible. So anything you got, let's talk about awesome. it. Oh, Can't awesome. Can't wait. Well, Avery's got a lovely list of questions here for us that I will, <laughs> as I am very famous for straying from the questions. So if I get annoying, just like shoot me down. Like <laughs> I don't know if she'll invite us back, uh, but I also stray from questions. So we'll do our best to stay on, to, on topic and all that. You are in good company, my friend. Poor Avery is going to like not know where we are on the list. I can't wait. She goes through this crap all the time and <laughs> she's managed to keep me around though. I do enjoy the meandering, but yeah, I tend, when that happens, I tend to lose track of where we were in the original questions, but we'll find our way back. That's right. Yes. That's right. Uh, first question. And I guess the biggest question um, is, when you're looking at it from your perspective, what is the biggest marketing challenge authors often face? It's a great question. Um, And I think that when you are starting out on that journey, whether it's your first book or if it's your hundredth book, the biggest challenge that authors face is they don't want to market a book. (laughs) They want to write books. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. And so as we're going into it, I think that that's the biggest challenge. They generally feel self-promoting when they do it. Mm -hmm. And so it can feel sleazy or feel a little inauthentic. And so for us, what we try to do is we try to make it as authentic as possible by getting to the core values that the author has and aligning that with a core message that gets the reader from where they are to where the author wants to take them. Hmm. And it could be an escape from reality. It could be a coping thing. It could be um, empowerment or inspiration, but we want to get them from where they are to where the author can take them through the core values that the author has. And so we try to make it approachable by laying a a steady and strong foundation 
And from that foundation, you can climb uh, through the marketing things that feel most authentic to you. I'm just sitting here processing. I'm like, ooh. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Oh my gosh. I I feel so bad to do this, but I have a question and it is already straying from the list. Come on. I won't tell Avery at all. We'll just keep going. I am like really curious, like, um, because, you know, Avery has a publishing company now and they kind of have a marketing team like on staff, like where, where do you fit in as far as like, you know, there's traditional, there's self-publishing there's, and then there's your marketing firm. Is that, is that what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, where do you fit into like the whole scheme? Like where does somebody like you come in? Like, do you, do you exist for the people that don't have marketing teams? Do publishers hire you to do it? Like, I'm really curious, like how this looks for you before I start digging into these questions. Cause I, I really have no perspective as to what it looks yeah. like from your perspective to be in this position. We've done it all of, all of the ways that you just mentioned. Okay. We've done all of those things Okay, where we love to fit is in between. So in between the books that the author's writing, we love to help them monetize content in between those things to build the platform, build digital products, help them understand what lead magnets might be good to get out in front of their readers so that they continue to build momentum Mm -hmm. from one book to the next. That's where we love to be. I think that one of the things, and Avery, you probably run across this with the publishing company, they have marketing ideas Mm -hmm. and sometimes those marketing ideas work and sometimes they don't, Mm -hmm. but they also have 30 to 50 to 70 books that they're releasing a year. Mm -hmm. And so one of the places that we were initially was, we were the in-house marketing company for a uh, for an author. Okay. Um, that's before this iteration of Leverage Brands. And at that point, our training was, you are not trusting the publishing company to market mm-hmm. your book. You do everything that you can. You're trusting them to print and distribute the book. And so it was kind of a team effort to say, we're going to run as fast as we can. Y'all run as fast as you can. And hopefully we'll meet at a bestseller in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of running in parallel to each other while also knowing what we're good at and what we're not. So I wouldn't consider us great at PR, for instance, mm-hmm. but we're good at getting guest blogs. We're good at getting guest podcasts. Uh, and that's that's a new form of PR that's the internet's brought about. So mm-hmm. I think it just... It's making sure that you understand what you're good at, what the publishing company's good at, and what the author's good at, and kind of marrying all of those things together in the best possible package for getting that book to as many people as possible. Okay. That 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 helps me understand like a bit more because I am not with a publishing company as I haven't seen any of this. And I think a lot of our uh, listeners are the same way. So it's really good to hear like just like where they might fall into the picture. So it sounds like a situation like you kind of would work with either, like even if, it, if it's just an author, if it's a publishing company, mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. So, you, okay, cool, cool. And I know, especially um, I'm in a group with a bunch of other people who are debuting next year. And some of them that are with smaller publishers that don't really have a lot of marketing are they will hire like an outside marketing team or, you know, third party marketing company to help them because they may not have the in-house support that like a bigger publisher would have. Okay. That's, that's great to know. And for us, just straight up industry talk. One thing that we have struggled with is being approachable for the author who doesn't have necessarily the funds to do something that we would normally do because our retainers are not cheap, let's say. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we have also done uh, just starting over the last several months is building a consulting package where We come alongside the author. We tell them what to do in the next 90 days, like what we would do if we were running their brand for 90 days and give them the step-by-step guide to go do those things. Mm 
So it's we're trying to fill that gap from somebody who can't afford an in-house publishing team, but maybe is getting ready for that first book that they're self-publishing or whatever else to, you know, we work with authors who do best-selling book mm-hmm. launches anytime they, they put their name on something. So it, it's kind of the full gamut. Do you go in kind of knowing what your author's working on? Do you do a process of like, like an application? Are you willing to work with anybody or like, is it very like you, you want to make sure you work with the people who you can really help succeed? Do you have, do you pick and choose like that? Or do you just kind of like, you're willing to help just about anybody? I think that it's, we are, we are able to be a little bit choosy okay. on who we are going to do that retainer level services with. And we've, we've intentionally opened that up a little bit. It used to be before this year, we were only doing four, four clients a year okay. that wow. we would focus on. Okay. That's how niche and boutique we were because mm-hmm. we would come in and be the entire marketing operations for somebody Okay, um, from strategy to implementation to answering customer service tickets. Like we were that level. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Contact. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, and now we're we're trying to be a little more systematized in what we're offering so that we can help more people, but also be more approachable. So from consulting to limited scope engagements where we're just doing maybe your email funnel or whatever it is to the full high touch thing, um, we can help authors along the full spectrum there. Awesome. Great. Now that I have some really scope cool. of like what we're talking about here and some perspective, we can go back to Avery's list now. Thank you for um, humoring me with that information because I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. Okay, but now now I sort of get it and I can understand and I can be engrossed in what we're talking about here. Okay, so Avery, I'm gonna let you get back to your list now. I'm just gonna keep my little mouth shut. <laughs> well, and this kind of leads from our previous question, um, which is how far out from book release should an author form a marketing plan, contact marketers, and kind of what should be in a marketing plan or what should they expect from a marketing team? I think that it's as far out as possible is my answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we've had people come to us three months before a book launch. We've had people come to us six months before a book launch. We've had people come to us 24 months before a book launch. I prefer 24 months because <laughs> there's just certain things that aren't available the closer that you get to a book launch, right? Mm-hmm. I think that you can do a pretty great book launch campaign in three months where you're getting people who are ready to review your book and you're getting a landing page set up and you're doing some sort of lead magnet to generate that interest. You can do that with three months, but you can do it better with six months and you can yeah. do some long lead PR. You can do some interviewing of marketing teams that you might want to work with all those sorts of things. If you're 24 months out, a typical timeline though, I would say is probably 12 months. That's about as far out as the publishers are thinking maybe 18 months in somebody who's just signed, but 12 to 18 months is a really good sweet spot to get a great plan together and execute on it well. I find that really interesting because like I've heard like, you know, in this day and age, people are like uh, consuming content like really, really fast. And it's almost like if you mention it, like if you mention something six months in advance, it's almost like people forget over the course of, you know, months. So it was really interesting to me when you said that, you know, you can, you would prefer to start 24 months ahead of time. That's really interesting to me because it's like, oh, wow, really? Because I thought like that, that, that was gone these days because people are just like, well, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. You know, people are scrolling so fast, looking so fast. It's like two years. That's, that's enough to be forgotten, but yet it works to your advantage. And I'm really curious, like what you're willing to tell us about why. Yeah, no, I'll tell you everything. I got (laughs) no holds barred. Let's talk about it. 
because I think that it's true and you have to be careful with the messaging that you're putting in front of your user that far in advance, because it doesn't have to be about your book. But let's say you have a, a story of a heroine and you're trying to gather readers who enjoy that type of story. Well, I might take 90 days just to go into a Facebook group to establish myself as an expert in that particular character arc, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that three months is not at all about the book that's coming out. It's about getting trust in that community so that I can get in front of those people and so that they trust the things that I'm saying about the character arc. So then I can go to them three months later and say, hey, by the way, I think you'll really <laughs> like this short story that I wrote about this character. Ah. And that short story is a lead magnet where you get their email address. Mm-hmm. And then you're nurturing them along the way for that. And then by the time that you get three months out and you say, I would love for you to read an advanced copy of my book so that you're ready to review it when it comes out. When you get to that point, you already have their trust. They like you. They trust the content that's coming from you. Maybe they know the character. And so they're interested to read more about that character. Mm -hmm. And then they're ready to leave a review on the day of launch to make that as big of an event as possible. But if I have even that's a nine month process we just talked about, right? Right. right? Yeah. Because you have three months of building authority. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe also building the lead magnet three more months of nurturing them along the way, and then three months to let them read the book and then have it ready to review, which doesn't even go to mention things like SEO that just take time. The more seasoning Mm -hmm. you can put on search engine optimization, the better. And so you have that going on with the link building that's associated with that. And you have the, the expertise building that you're doing in Facebook communities or TikTok or wherever. And you have all of these different things that are coming to a head at the book launch but you have to have the time to build mm-hmm. those different irons in the fire, or place those different irons in the fire. That's a, that's a belabored metaphor, <laughs> but you understand. put the fishing lines out. I don't know. You got to have the time to get all of those different pieces going together so that they come together at the launch. It's almost like mm-hmm. if you think about building a house, you, you don't see the finished product of the house until you're about six months out, but you mm-hmm. plan, you draw. And then by the time you, you move into the house, it's all done. It's the same thing with a book launch. Okay. Yeah, no, I, li- I like that. You know, you don't think about, yeah, th- that that's crazy planning ahead. It's like, I'm going, it's a long con, you know, like I gotta befriend yeah. these people, make them trust me. I, I love that. Like I wouldn't have ever considered <laughs> that, but okay, now I'm like, yeah, I see you. I, that makes sense. Good. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I've actually got a an interesting case study that actually a friend of mine that is doing this very, very well. Um, it'll kind of lead us into our next question. Segway. Professional. I like that. <laughs> There's an author with a book coming out next year with my imprint, uh, Karen Tang, who is a doctor who has a book called It's Not Hysteria and is about gynecological health and has been posting short videos, short information about like, here's an FYI that you may not have known about this topic and is starting to build up like the trust and the interest and, you know, the videos, some of them are kind of funny and, you know, it's, it's that whole TikTok thing. Uh, That's right. (laughs) But yeah, is building up that platform about like, I know about this topic and then it will be like, Hey, by the way, buy my book. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. We had one similar where we had a, a guy who was formerly a CMO at a large company here in Nashville and he wanted to build an Instagram following to a thousand people. Well, that's great. He came to us in May and said he wanted it by the end of the year. And I said, okay, well, you're getting four followers per post. How many posts does that mean you need to get to a thousand if you have 50 now? 
And it was something like 220 posts. You got to plan out 220 posts to get there because I'm not as interested in hoping that I get to a thousand based on a viral happening. Mm-hmm. I would prefer yeah. to plan to get to a thousand based on what I know will get us there. And then if we get viral, great, <clears throat> you know, but we want to mm-hmm. be systematic in planning those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of, once again, segue, uh, which only works if you call it out that it's a segue. That's right. It's like explaining <laughs> jokes. That's the best way to do yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you mentioned building a platform being one of the more important aspects and you've kind of touched on a little bit of how to build a platform. Um, does it vary between fiction and nonfiction or self-published and traditionally published? And how would you kind of recommend approaching those differently? Yeah, I think it varies in each of those circumstances. And so you want to make sure that you're building the platform for what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to self-publish, what platform's important? Amazon. You got to build a platform on Amazon by growing an audience there, by doing your research, by doing search engine optimization there. And playing by the rules of the platform. What does Amazon value? Reviews. And so you have to keep playing by the rules of the platform to build a platform on Amazon. The one thing that I will say is, and I think this is where you can kind of shift and say it's the same across both, is that you have to get to a list that you control because you want to be able to nurture and you want to be able to sell to the same people over and over again. And that's why we always recommend you want to build an email list. And these days, probably also an SMS list, not to spam people right? You want to provide valuable content to these people, but you also want to control how you can reach out to them without being at the mercy of an algorithm. I think that's one of the things publishers found out pretty quickly when they were signing people who had big blogs or who had big social media followings is that that didn't translate to book sales because it wasn't people who were controlled by the author. They had to send it out to a social media post that maybe hits 10% on a good day of the followers that you actually have. And out of those 10% it hits, how many actually buy a book? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so over the last 11 years, we've been focused on building an email list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably still a good thing to build, but I think SMS is a good thing to build <laughs> side by side with that. So it's it, do, it does vary. It's based on platform where you want to be successful and you got to get to a list that you control regardless of where you're building. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say the algorithm is a harsh and unforgiving God. It really is. <laughs> the algorithm giveth and the algorithm taketh. When I had my first social media internship in 2009, Facebook still let you send it to every follower that you had with every post. And then just gone. <laughs> 90% was gone because they changed that algorithm, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think because I was raised in that professionally, I just said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna control it. I can't, I can't control the followers. I'm going to control the email list. And now, I mean, deliverability and everything else, you have to nurture that list. Like you have to be kind to the list and it lets you control who you're talking to. And that's huge, huge. This just sort of opens up the box in my head, which is one I think about a lot for, you know, creators, writers, marketing teams, such as yourself, like the ever expanding challenge of having to stand out with stuff like that because you know hundreds of posts are made every day you know all the different algorithms and where you got to like work with a different website like how it, it comes to a point especially for um people you know i'm an illustrator so i can get people's attention by posting a piece of art that they really like but for somebody like a, a writer who's got text which people are not super interested in these days as far as like <laughs> scrolling goes you know like how 
like to, to tackle that challenge of of making someone really stand out while also nurturing the fact that they're a writer and, and the, there is a book coming like i don't even know like how one would face that how one would start to solve that problem because everyone you know as people are quitting their jobs and starting to realize that they can make their money money on their own like this becomes a bigger and bigger problem but it's also great you know but it's hard to to stand out and i'm really curious like how you take into consideration this issue how you face this challenge like it'd be really interesting to know from like a a standpoint of somebody who's like not necessarily a creative but somebody who's like well, you are a creative but you're also like into the the nitty-gritty first of all how dare you say that to me <laughs> yeah you know like you know a lot more than like someone like me who is just like who is just a creator might know you're a lawyer you you see the inside out and it's like wow what must that be like because that would scare the shit out of me knowing everything you know like <laughs> wow <laughs> I love the picture you're painting of me of like some galaxy brain that just <laughs> like a Jimmy Neutron going into his ear, you know, through this Whoa. Uh, brain blast. Here we go. Uh, so I think that it's, it's, it is very hard. Like we don't want to paint this as a rosy picture. It's very hard to cut through that noise because there's so many people out there who are trying to do a similar thing to any of us, right? Especially if you're writing in a space where there's a lot of competition because people love to read in that space. And I think y'all y'all know that more than most people. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you cut through? The answer is uh, really a, a couple of different ways. One, you have to know your audience to a T. You have to have that mm-hmm. core customer. You have to speak so directly to them with your text that they stop. What is the core pain that they're feeling? And what's the gain that you can give them if they stop on your content? And really you have a headline to capture that. So Mm -hmm. for us, we encourage all of our writers to get down to one sentence. What is the one sentence elevator pitch for your brand, not for your book, for your brand? And for us, we've made it as simple as we can just by our brand name. It's leverage brands. We leverage brands. And if you're looking for somebody Mm -hmm. to leverage your brand, you're going to stop on our stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not that Mm -hmm. we're great at social media because we do it for other people. We don't do it for ourselves. It's a cobbler's son has no (laughs) shoes situation. (laughs) So I think that's one thing to cut through. You have to know you're a customer. You have to speak to them with their own words to make them stop. But the other thing is, and I think this is almost as important. You have to be consistent mm-hmm. because the the breakthrough doesn't come after your first post. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. You have to be committed to testing a platform until you see something. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of us give up. We get 30 days in or 45 days in and we say, well, it's not working. Probably not because these platforms are saturated. You got to mm-hmm. keep going. You got to keep posting. Mm-hmm. And I think to your doctor point earlier, Avery, mm-hmm. her first posts most likely did not perform as well as her 40th or 400th mm-hmm. posts. Even with this podcast, I'd assume the first podcast doesn't perform as well as the 111th. <laughs> nope. On, right? it, it was it was also not as good because we were learning what we yeah. were doing. Like you said, we were testing testing the media. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But you keep going and you keep being consistent and it grows over time naturally when the content is good. And I think that's the other thing. All content it, great is the line, right? That's the barrier for entry into this stuff. You got to be great. And then you have to be consistent. And then you have to talk to your customer 
with their words and in their in something that's going to resonate with them. So I think that it's it's really those two things to break through the noise, consistency, and talking to the customer in their own words because you know them so well. And it's still going to take time. Like that's, <laughs> it's simple, but it's not easy because it's still going to take 90 days, 180 days before you see anything, regardless of where you're starting. Yeah. Does your book, Every Step Counts, does it does it go into this at all? Because that it's it, fe- it feels like such a big thing to, you know, to try to pack in just a small explanation. Do you have that kind of stuff in there? Yeah. Cool. So one of our exercises in there is called the empathy map template. We completely stole this from a guy who was learning how to do user interface design, but it's a hit. It's a head that has basically what that person's thinking and feeling, what they're hearing, what they're seeing and what they're saying and doing. And as you go through each of those kind of quadrants across a person's experience, you can really get into what their pain is and what the gain you offer them is. Uh, And then we also talk about review mining. Anytime we're going to advise an author, we're going to go look at the genre. We're going to look at the Amazon reviews. And we're going to say, okay, if you're writing in this genre, you have to talk about these things. If you're writing in this genre, make sure you don't do these things. And I did one for romance today. Um, and, it, you know, the things the things there are the love story can't feel forced. Like it can't feel like it's just going to happen in the first two chapters. You got to give that slow burn where the characters are developed and the love story is developed. I'm trying to think of there was an there's one other one. If you're writing a period piece romance, you got to have the period correct, not just from a, oh, look, they're on trains because it's the 1800s. But also, what are the socioeconomic things that are going on then? What are the people feeling in that moment? So you have to do great research. So it's those types of things that you can call out from review mining, from empathy map templates, so that you're really talking directly to that person. And that's that's in the book. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I was going to say that goes back to the part you said about like knowing with like laser precision your audience, because I I dabble in historical romance uh, and I have friends who are really into it and they will pick out the historical inaccuracies. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you just know that's that's something in that audience that matters. Big time. They care about it a lot. It's so hard to understand the psychology of like what kind of people are into what sort of things and what they expect. And it's like, for me, it's really overwhelming. So like when I think about, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, wow, like, where do I learn this shit? Because this is like, this is a lot. And that's why I'm like, is it in your book? Because, you know, it's good knowledge to have. And it's, it's just incredible, like how many different types of people there are and how many people fit into a Venn diagram of like, who's gonna buy your book? even though there are a million different types of different people, because not they don't all have the same personality. Who's going to read your book? So like just the, I, the, the challenges that you must overcome to get those people. is just, for me, it's just really interesting. So <laughs> that, that was in my marketing plan from my marketing team was here is with pinpoint accuracy, your reader, this is their age mm-hmm. range. This is their gender. This is the type of other books that they read. They were like, this is the person we are going for. <laughs> That's awesome. That's right. And there's a distinction there too, right? Between your best reader and a a reader. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. want the five-star review readers. You don't want the one-star review readers. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think it it's even that nuance that's in there. But to your point, while it is overwhelming, it's never been more accessible to talk to those people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you have to find them where they are. You have to fish where the fish are. That's what we use in the book. Okay. My grandfather, he would take us fishing but he would go out before us and he would get a fish on the line. I, this is not 
not nice to the fish, right? But he would get a fish on the line and wait for us so that we would catch the fish immediately when we got there as like five-year-old. <laughs> it was, I guess, a kind thing for him to do, except that it didn't teach me that I needed to fish where the fish are. Hmm. And so I tell the story in the book. There's a, um, he's an author, but he's also a financial health guru. His name is Ramit Seti. And he talks about how when he went fishing with his dad, his dad took him to the place where they would put the fish into the pond. <laughs> and so it's just this tube of fish coming out into the pond and they'd fish there and catch all day. <laughs> As an author, you got to go to that pipe that's feeding the fish into the pond and catch them all day. Because not only are the historical romance people online, you can find them. Just look on a Facebook mm -hmm. group. It's the historical romance Facebook group, right? Yeah. Or the Reddit community or whatever it is. TikTok, you got to go find them where they are. And then you got to talk to them and build up your expertise there. That's, that's a yeah. good tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I keep having moments where I'm just like, Ooh, and just absorbing and then realizing, Oh, I should be asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> we got time. So we kind of went on a whole journey again. Thanks, Darren. Me journeys. <laughs> well, they're good, but it means that this time I don't have a segue. So deal with it. Fine. <laughs> so we had, you had talked previously, we're going to kind of circle back about the newsletters and SMS lists. And so do you have any kind of tips for how to build those, how to leverage those, as well as websites or maybe blogs, that whole kind of area? Yeah, I think we are still a big proponent of the author website. We think that you need to have a home base. We think it needs to look consistent with the other authors in your genre. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a one size fits all theme that you use, but with the authors in your genre, you should look similar to the sites that they have maybe a little bit better because as you're trying to build your name, you want people to come there and feel safe, <laughs> feel like you can be a trusted resource. And then one of the key things about a website is the above the fold area. Mm -hmm. So when they land on your homepage above the fold, that just means before they scroll and on mobile, it's even harder, right? Cause you've got a smaller space. But before you scroll, you want to tell them why they're there, what they're going to get from you, and you want to give them an opportunity to opt in to your email list or your SMS list. And we do that through what's called a lead magnet. For us, lead magnets generally have been PDFs, um, but they can be PDFs of short stories. They can be PDFs of chapters of your book. They could be PDFs of um, a list of things that you might need uh, for historical romance, I think. A list of things you would need for the eighteen for an eighteen hundreds romance, <laughs> <laughs> candles, <laughs> bath warmers. I don't know something. You know, you get all these things on your list. Um, so you just you just go through different ideas for things that your reader might attach to and say, ah, I would download that, and they give you their email address in exchange for that free resource. Mm, okay. Um, I think a really good version of that early on for the internet was the assessment or the quiz. What type of X are you, you know, everybody did those quizzes. So you could do a quiz, but whatever it is, you want to make sure that your customer, that best reader would respond well to it enough to give you their email address or phone number in exchange. And I think phone number is actually harder than email address right now. People are more willing to give email address than phone number. I'm Now that you say that, I'm like, I have been to those sites and I have done it. See? It works. Um, one of them is um, Readsy, which is actually a really big resource for writers. Mm -hmm. They have several of those, like, if you want our more information PDF, sign up for our mail list. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sounds great. I'd love that. 
Yeah. And plus, it's a place that I want information. Exactly. You're happy to give them the email yeah. address. Yeah. That's right. And Reads, I mean, Reedsy does yeah. a great job. They're they're one of the best resources mm-hmm. for online writing, for sure. Okay. I was trying to think of a good segue again, and I can't. So we're just going to go to the next question, <laughs> which is, do you recommend any live events? I think they can work really well. Um, I think they work really well for building fandom because people feel like they're a part of something. Uh, I think that it's very difficult to execute them well, but publishers are really good at executing them well. Actually, one of my first forays into publishing was I was a social media intern at Thomas Nelson at the time, and we did a live event to launch a book. The thing that I don't love about live events is when they're singularly focused on like a book signing. Mm -hmm. I think you want to give the reader more than that. So when they come, they get to have an experience, Mm -hmm. not just a book signing something that's remarkable. Um, And it doesn't, remarkable to me just means they will tell their friends about the experience that they had, which will be associated with Mm -hmm. your book. And so the the one we did for Thomas Nelson, for instance, which was in 2009, good grief, I am getting old. (laughs) But in 2009, it was a manager, the US manager for the Beatles who was releasing a book. And so we did a Beatles night and we did a benefit concert for a music school here in Nashville. That's a nonprofit that does music lessons for underserved um, families in, in the Nashville area. And so we got to associate it with that group. We got to associate it with live music, which in Nashville is mm-hmm. a big deal. And we got celebrities to come sing Beatles songs, which they love to do because <laughs> everybody was influenced by the Beatles. And then at the end, everybody who attended got a free book that was signed by the author. And they did it, you know, so it was a, it was a whole experience around the book where the book was still the star of the show, but the book came with more. And so I love that type of live event. Um, Like I said, love them. It's hard to execute them really well. And what we have done, by the way, for some of our people is tie a live event to a product. And so we'll sell an information product and that information product will come with a ticket to a live event. The person's responsible for getting to, um, but we do a day of training around that info product idea. Nice. That's really cool. Like these days, a lot of people started doing live events like online via Instagram, uh, whatever that thing is called that you can do. Uh, TikTok obviously became really big. I don't I don't think you can do. a. Can you do a live thing on TikTok? Does that is that a thing? I know on Instagram you can, but um, I don't know. I don't either. Anyway, I guess my question is like let's say you don't have access to you know celebrities and stuff and you're just a little guy trying to like make something that people can tell to their their friends or you know something like that when you are something as small as a person who nobody knows anything about let's say you have a small following and you want to create content that people want to come live to like are there little tips and tricks that like you can kind of use just to get people excited like if you're not that great at having like a like let's say it's just a small group of people like how do you entice a small group of people into liking your what you did live so much that they go off and tell somebody about it enough that they're willing to like come and look you up is there a secret is there an (laughs) equation i guess is that 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 question make any sense Makes a ton of sense. And I'm going to start by saying we've known each other for a long time now, about 45 minutes. Yeah. So I can tell you this. Yeah. That's head trash. <laughs> that's that's head trash. Stop that. Listen, 
You think a college senior knew more celebrities that they could go out and get for a for a Beatles night that I was in charge of running? No, I didn't know anybody. But somehow I ended up with Winona Judd and Johnny Lang singing <laughs> Beatles songs at this event. I don't know how. I just asked. And people told me yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people told me no, but people told me yes, too. That's cool. I think it's part of it is don't sell yourself short. Like, you know, people who are popular in that space, probably just ask them. What's the worst they say? No. Okay. That's fine. Fair. Might not fit in their schedule, whatever else. It's the same with building a podcast. You ask guests who are beyond you. Not that I am, by the way. <laughs> I was thrilled to get on those podcasts. Don't take that any sort of way. But you ask people who are beyond you to come onto the podcast to share their knowledge, to share their wisdom, ask them for advice. And I think that it feels scary and maybe like an unovercomable obstacle to get people to a live event. But the, the truth of it is, People are happy to help other writers and and they're happy to help people who are just starting out because everybody was just starting out at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you have to be willing to ask, number one. Number two, think about who you do know. Stop thinking about who you don't know. Think about who you do know. Who is an influential person in your community? Who, when somebody puts on an event, people go to it? Who is that person in your community? Ask them. Okay. Uh, borrow somebody else's platform, basically, and say, hey, I am about to launch this book. I would love your help in launching it. I'd love for it to be a local thing. And I know that you do local things really well. Can we work together on it? Mm -hmm. And just see what the answer is and have maybe 10 of those people because, you know, not everybody's going to say yes, Mm -hmm. but have maybe 10 of those people that you can talk to. Um, I think about like in Nashville, we have a great local bookstore called Parnassus and they hold events all the time for local authors because that's what they're committed to helping. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a similar area in your either physical world or virtual world where you can do that as well. Hmm. So think about who you do know, and then don't be afraid to ask. That's the other thing. I have two quick notes. One is to get over asking people who are like more well-known in the space than you go through the process of trying to get blurbs for your book. Um, Cause that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And you got to ask a ton of people to get any, right. <laughs> and then you were talking about like the bookstore in your area. I'm having my launch party at a local bookstore. And I literally just walked in with a galley and was like, Hey, I have a book coming out. I shop here. Do you want to do an event? <laughs> and they said, yes. Might you uh, like an event? Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's the thing. People get scared and they get in their heads about the event has to be some level or some standard or whatever. Sometimes you just have to do it and see what happens. And, you know, I'm not the guest being interviewed here, but, you know, I've been telling people a lot recently, like it, uh, especially people with like social anxiety that think that everybody hates them and they can't do anything right. Um, I tell them, uh, well, it's really selfish and rude of you to decide what other people are going to do to react to you. Why don't you let them make up their minds about how they want to (laughs) react and stop being a jerk and putting bad words into their mouth because they might actually have a lot of good things to say about you. you can't just tell people that they, you know, you can't just act like you know what they're going to say. You got to give them a chance. That's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I make mm-hmm. them feel bad by telling them that they're mean. <laughs> I see. Yeah. For, no, it, it for, makes sense. For putting, for, for, for coming up with replies and reactions to people. They, see, that's not very nice. Don't tell people how to act. <laughs> don't, don't. We call it, uh, I would never do that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I do that every day. That's part of my job. No, but I think we call it a presumption of positive intent. So I think a lot of us have this presumption of negative intent. Mm-hmm. Like if I put myself out there, you're going to say, no, you're not going to accept me for who I am. 
But what we've shifted in our business is a presumption of positive intent, not just not just out there when we're doing outreach, but also internally. So if we're working together on a project, we're going to have a presumption of positive intent. And I think it's crucial to do that because if I put that out there and the worst you say is no, okay, well, at least I put it out there. I did my job. I can't handle reactions. I can only handle my effort. That's the only thing I can I can be in charge of. That's a good professional way to put yeah. what I just said. <laughs> you can borrow it. It's fine. I'm going to borrow yours. Good. For sure. Please do. Tell everybody yeah. that they're being mean. Yes. Don't be mean. <laughs> Don't be mean. That's rude. Why are you being mean? Nobody likes yeah, rude people. That. No, absolutely not. Uh, it's so good. I guess back to Avery's lovely little list here. <laughs> We don't have anything to bridge these gaps. So we're just going to go to the next question. Uh, and that is what sort of online ads do you find most effective? I know self-published authors think about these a lot, especially. Yeah. Well, I think for self-published Amazon ads do really well. Uh, you just have to make sure you're holding those in. There's tons of tools that you can use now, even AI tools that will improve your ads on Amazon. So look into that. Does Amazon have ads? I have an ad blocker. Mm -hmm. I'm a jerk and I should probably stop that. But Amazon, they have ads. Well, have you ever seen a sponsored product on Amazon? Yeah. Oh, so that's that's the Amazon ads you're talking about, the sponsor. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. sense. I can't block those. Those work. Yeah. See? You can also buy an ad on the splash page of the Kindles of the people who buy the cheaper Kindles where they get ads. Right. The Kindles. Mm -hmm. That like when you open up the Kindle and it has like the, the full okay. page, you can buy those too. Yeah. So I think I think Amazon ads, if you're self-publishing through Amazon, it's a no-brainer. Uh, you should probably establish some traction before you do that, but look into it for sure. Um, the thing about ads is it's really easy to waste a lot of money on ads. Mm -hmm. uh, we ran basically, I think it ended up being like $48,000 in ads one, mm -hmm. one year without the proper tracking. And so we didn't know if it worked or not. Mm. And so did it work? Did we make our money back? Probably, but who can say? And so I think it's really important to have an intent with your ads internally. What am I, what am I putting these out for? What's my desired goal and what's my desired outcome? What, what does success look like in running these ads? We have not seen success running book ads where you buy the book directly on Amazon. I think people do have success running free. So if you said you get this book for free, you can have success that way. And I think the other ads that we really consider right now are Google ads and people are seeing success with Google ads again to something free. So that lead magnet that we mm -hmm. talked about before, and then you nurture them through your list to buy the book later. Another reason to move that book launch back a little bit so that you can have time to run ads to a free thing that then nurtures people into buying the paid product. Mm -hmm. I have noticed with my self-published stuff, um, if you have like a series, if you do the free deal for the first book and then they get hooked and then they buy the second book. <laughs> That's right. And there's a, there's a really great, um, I'm taking an Amazon course right now because I didn't feel comfortable with where I was at on it. And it's called AIA. Um, these guys are experts in that. Check it out if you run across it. It's not a cheap course, but they do a great job of explaining Amazon's algorithm, reviews, ads, all of the stuff that goes along with Amazon self-publishing. Good to know. Good to know. I should get a referral link. What, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. You need to have like a, it was an affiliate link. That's right. That's right. That's how you get I'm in, right? It. You got to have that everywhere. You got to get, you got to get your that's stuff. That's right. You gotta... That's right. That's right. 
it adds up these nickels. Come on, guys. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to switch the last two questions because I think the other one makes a good last question. So where should you network with other readers and other authors? Because you kind of mentioned, you know, the live events where you get to kind of have face to face. Where where do you want to have like, I don't say one-on-one time, but actually networking rather than just putting content out there and having them see it. Yeah. I think there's a temptation with networking to go to the top of your list first. Um, And what I mean by that is the person who's already had the great success, the person who's already done the end of the career that you want to have, they're already at the end of that. My encouragement to the authors who are listening here is get to know your peers really well, add value to your peers, support your peers' books, let them support your books, et cetera, because those are the people who are going to grow up with you through the industry and eventually become the successes that people are looking at networking with in in 20, 30 years, right? When I was starting out as a lawyer, I first went to all the top entertainment lawyers in Nashville. I was trying to get coffees with them and everything. And that was the advice that I got from one of them. Hey, it's great to network with us, network with your peers, because they're the ones who are going to be doing deals with you for the next 15 years. Uh, And that piece of advice has been crucial to me. And so I think that's a really good piece of advice. The second thing is, if you can, if you know an author is going to be somewhere, go meet them. Mm-hmm. But be careful with your first impression. You come <laughs> to me and give me your book, I might not ever read your book. But if you come to me with a valuable insight or something that's going to teach me something, or you ask for my advice, we might have a better relationship that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't have to be, I think the typical one is, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? That's not a great one because everybody's used it to death, right? (laughs) But think of a way to add value to that author. Uh, Maybe just say, hey, I'd love your advice sometime. I know know you're busy. Just whenever you're available, I'm here, obviously. I'd love to have your advice because I'm working on this specific problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this specific problem, I think you'll have insight into, I'd love 15 minutes. And give them kind of a context to the call. And then maybe you get the call more than you don't. But again, you're going to hear no a lot. So be willing to hear no. And- have a list, <laughs> have a list of the people that you'd love to talk to. It's not a personal attack if someone says no, you know? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's not. I think a lot of people take it so personally and it's like, that. Ah, just imagine yourself saying no to somebody. Was it personal? Probably not. You just said no Mm-mm. because you did. I literally had no time. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Like, <you> know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's one of those things where the farther you get in your career, the more you understand that. But when, mm-hmm. it, when you're early and just starting out, you're like, well, I'm just asking for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to have 15 minutes to give somebody now. But yeah, if they have a specific question, I'm happy to do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You never know when you're going to run into the person with the at the right time. That's right. With the right mood. You know, you're always going to try. Mm-hmm. 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 It's 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. One way that I actually met a couple of other authors in my area and connected with them was we had a, a panel at a local library event. And I just met a couple other authors who were on the panel and was like, hey, how are you? What do you, you know, what do you write? And kind of got to know each other. And one of them is more established than me and was like, hey, if you want to do a bookstore event together, I'll do the, you know, one of those in conversation with things. And, you know, you can meet my audience, I can meet your audience and we'll get together. And so that was how we met was we just both agreed to do an event. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't say this, but saying yes is a really great way to meet <laughs> Even if it's something you don't want to say yes to, yep. you know, just being out there and acting like you're an author even before you feel like one. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how I trick everybody into being my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's genius. 
I knew you were a genius. It works. I have a lot of friends. I, I you yeah, know, I knew you were a genius the whole time. And now <laughs> I got to manipulate the system that and, and, and it does get people to listen to me. So anybody listening? Uh, yeah, I, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> just I do actually write. I do actually write. I know I am an actual author, but I am very confident to at least on the outside, on the inside. I'm a mess. But, you know, I display myself as confident. People believe that. And then they come to me and I'm like, oh, wow, I tricked you. No, just kidding. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. No, I feel the same way. I don't feel like an author for sure. Um, and then you look up and you have a book or two and you're like, oh, I guess I am. Yeah. But you you got to you got to fake it till you make it. It's a cliche for a reason. I think people understand that if you wait until you're 100 percent confident in who you are it's going to be a lot slower going than if you can just say, I'm going to be an author. I am an author and just go with that path. Yep. Because most <laughs> of the times we're already there and we don't even know it. So faking it is actually just, it's just being real with yourself. You just don't have That's to right. admit that actually you might actually be good at something because we <laughs> suck at doing that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <It's> true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. So kind of our last main question is what, pitfalls do authors often fall into with their marketing? It's uh, the same pitfalls that any entrepreneur will fall into, especially a creative one. Shiny object syndrome, <laughs> which is basically I can do everything. Uh, and what ends up happening is you do nothing well. So that's number one. Number two is analysis paralysis. So you get so in your head about what the next thing is that you don't do anything. So either you do everything and not don't do everything well, or you do nothing because you're thinking about everything and, mm. and it just becomes overwhelming. And so my business partner, he says this all the time and I love it. He says, you can't be everywhere, but you got to be somewhere. You can't mm. do everything, but you have to do something. So you just have to take that next step and be intentional about what, what are you going to do today? And what are you going to do tomorrow? And if you can answer those questions, you'll be set to make progress. I think that also applies to like, writing and everything else everything. in life. I'm just sitting here like, yeah, pro <laughs> tip. That's, uh, that's, yeah, that's literally like why I was, that's why. No, if something in your life isn't going right, it's because you haven't done those two things. <laughs> gotta have a goal every day and you gotta try to get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One more step. Every step counts. Yeah. Hey, hey yeah. book name. Hey. Plug. We made it. Yeah. So is there anything, last thoughts that we might have missed that you did want to touch on? I just think it's important to say, and I've, I've been ending a lot of my interviews this way, please persevere. Mm -hmm. The difference between the person who makes it and the person who doesn't is perseverance. Because we all want to give up. We all want to quit. We never think we're going to make it. But when you persevere, you make it because it's, it's not an option to quit. So please persevere. We want to read your story. We want it to get out there. Get it out there. Giving let's, up is let's easy. Let's have a chance to say no. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Giving up is easy. Finishing it is hard. But I can't think of a time I finished something and not felt really good about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I finish things all the time and feel terrible about them, but they're done <laughs> and they're out. But something you know? happens, you know, like there's something positive that comes from it, even if it's just little, that's right. you know, that's and right. that's, that's, that's stacking up. That's what matters. But if you give up, then nothing happens. It's like, then you just sit on the couch and you watch sad Netflix. So like, you know, <laughs> and when... there's a time for that, but oh yeah, then get up and do it tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. You make yourself time to give up and make yourself time to succeed. So, right. so now that we've talked to you, give us a little plug, some marketing about your own book so that our listeners can go and find you can find your book last minute thoughts about what's inside of it, just to get us into it, to get me to go out and buy it. Cause I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yay. That'd be great. 100%. So it's every step counts. It's available on Amazon. It's all of our knowledge that we've had over the last 11 years working together and even before that of how to market your book in this digital world of platform. Uh, and so we have, we wrote it because a creative writing program asked us to do a book marketing class and we didn't like any of the textbooks out there for it. So that's <laughs> why we wrote it. And it's become a resource that's been pretty valuable for authors. And we'd love for y'all to take a look at it. It's on Amazon. And then if you want to talk to me, leveragebrands.co slash pod leveragebrands.co not.com slash pod. Okay. I will say just real quick, I will put all of those links in our show notes and on the website as well. I've done a lot of like thumbs up this, <laughs> this time and I don't know how I feel about it, but that's okay. It's an audio medium. They can't see it. <laughs> oh, good. Even better. It's probably because of me. It's yeah. They uh, There's been a lot of thumbs up. Everybody listeners. There's been so many thumbs up. We are <laughs> we're a thumbs up friendly with my hands. Yeah, I'm really, I, I gesticulate a lot. I feel like people pick up on it and they're just like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Chase Neely, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an, a delight. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. I think that's it for today. You can find everything about the podcast at anditswriting.com. Uh, look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcatchers, anywhere you listen, you will find us. You can also follow us on this is twitter but you can follow us on blue sky and instagram at and it's writing for episode updates and notifications we are transitioning away from twitter as many people are if you like what you're hearing join our discord group check out our website for details we'd also love it if you left us a rating wherever you're listening to this it does help people find us and we want more people to find us and listen to us um so yeah thank you for joining us and we will see you again soon bye 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 guys